Welcome, welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Halle Berry getting a multi-picture deal with Netflix, how amazing, to Blackish star Marseille Martin getting a series deal with Disney. Also, former Yummy Coco guest Shantira Jackson sold a pilot to NBC, and Mike Gallo and Insecure's Jean Lee also sold a show about a Haitian-American so really great entertainment news this week. I can't say much about other news of the world, uh, aka Omicron, and also uh, RIP to Stephen Sondheim and Virgil Abloh. Um, but, you know, got to look on the bright side, right? So um, those successes are pretty cool. Also, I haven't uh, seen House of Gucci yet, but apparently the Gucci family issued a statement saying, quote, the narrative is anything but accurate. Uh, they didn't say anything about the accents, but um, I don't know, people have been talking about that too. Like Jared Leto sounds like Mario. Um, it's uh, just very stereotypical. And then Lady Gaga's kind of all over the place. Although I have heard that she's her performance is really good. Uh, the beep that you might hear in the background is still our smoke alarm. We got to figure something out. Super annoying. Uh, anyway, this week, Malika Jules joins me to talk about her journey from a poet to a rapper to a now stand-up comedian. But first up, some housekeeping. If you like this show, please rate and review. It's how you can help people to find the show. Uh, so let's kick off the show with a sketch called The Succession of Kim and Pete Part 2. Uh, and it's going to be featuring comedian, writer, entrepreneur, rapper, Ma Malika Jules. Hey, Malika. Hey, what's up, Colette? So this sketch is chapter two uh, in the saga of television's wealthy, miserable family, the Kardashians. Um, December 3rd is a solar eclipse. Um and so you're you're a very like spiritual person. You're into astrology and like um, you're a super deep thinker. Are yeah. you doing anything in in preparation for this eclipse? Is there something that people should be doing in preparation? Because it's supposed to be like a very emotional, overwhelming time. Yeah, I mean, I think for me with this eclipse, what this eclipse means to me, this eclipse to me is, is the end of an old way of life and the beginning of a new way of life. So what I'm doing for the eclipse, I'm starting some new, um, I'm, I'm projects that I've had on paper uh, for a while that I've been plotting out for the whole of this year. I'm actively making physical moves on during the eclipse. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I'm, so the eclipse for me is not 
it's not emotional for me. It's about action and manifestation for me for this eclipse, because I'm definitely feeling my old life going away and I'm definitely feeling my new life call to me. Mm-hmm. And so right now I'm, I'm just going to like take that eclipse energy and lean into what I want for my new life. Eclipse. You you have projects. Yeah. You're getting them. You're getting them ready. You're getting yeah. ready. You're, you're preparing yourself for the new year. Yeah. Um. And you're just. Um. It's all about just like radical creativity. Just yeah. not stopping. Yeah. And um. What is? Uh. Do you have sometimes? Um. Like there's this uh, podcast I listen to where they they'll have like a word of the year. So like mm-hmm. my word of, of 2021 was shine. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what my word for 2022 will be. Do you have a word or, or some kind of mantra, something that like you're, you're thinking of um, for the new year? Wow. For the new year mm-hmm. that you're trying to like manifest, you know, it's gotta be for the new year. It's share. Share. Nice. Because, because I, as extroverted as I am, Uh I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. So, so it's one of those things uh, and I love creating Mm -hmm. and I will gladly create and not share. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been doing for the last few years, you know? And so one of the things that I had to, had, had to realize is how important it is that I share my work, which had to start by me valuing my work, thinking it was even important enough to share with people. And I just got there, you know, I really did. And so even though it's scary, I'm going to be putting out, I'm going to be putting out things I've been working on for the last two or three years. I'm going to be sharing. And Mm -hmm. I'm excited about that because I don't know what's going to happen once I share, I guess maybe people will like it or they don't, but I know for me, it will just be good to share and get it out there. Right. And that's the whole thing is, is about creating is to not be precious and just put it out there. And, and what we're going to talk about in our conversation too, because you were talking about, um, you know, doing stand up and trying out different jokes mm-hmm. and, you know, the idea of bombing is, is a good thing. It's a comfort. It's yeah. you're, you're putting ideas out there and you're seeing yeah. how they work and yeah. then you can refine from there. Yeah. 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 And I mean, cheers to more, you know, bombing and bad jokes and, <laughs> and good jokes and laughter. And I write good jokes and laughter. I creativity. love creativity. I love and also and also more self-care because I definitely have amped that up this year, too. Like even like today, like I, you know, I didn't go into work and I rested and, mm-hmm. you know, I did things that would matter to me. Like one of the things that I did today is um, I, I hooked up some speakers Mm-hmm. Not Bluetooth speakers, wired speakers. Nice. Because I because I I need my sound. I need my bass, and no Bluetooth speaker was doing it for me. And so I had some old speakers. I got some wires and an adapter, and for twelve bucks, I got a banging new sound system. Nice, nice it's for good. some records, like it's, some record listening. Yeah, it's it's totally hooked up to a record player. Uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I got the aux cable so I can put my iPad in, and I I might do a Bluetooth little connecty thing, you know, uh-huh. if I feel like it. But even that, I'm like, how much of my sound am I going to lose from that Bluetooth thing? Right, right. I mean, we 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 love a speaker in 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 this family, and yeah. uh, we uh, we also connected to our our TV. Yes. So you get some nice surround sound. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I'm on my, I'm on my surround sound, boom and bass, you know, cause it, it just makes my life better. 
you know? Yes. I yes. Had good amplified sound in my house for about a year. I had some first generation Sonos speakers. Uh-huh. Sonos bricked them. Like just in May of 2020, my speakers just didn't work. And it's like an $800 speaker system. Yeah. I was pissed. Yeah. Cause that's like, that's on the level of like Bose or, um, yeah, I don't know. Was it called like Technics? Exactly. Like, yeah, that's a that's a really good mark. Yeah, and they, and they bricked they bricked their their Sonos ones so mm-hmm. that they could introduce the Sonos twos that have Alexa. But mm-hmm. I don't want a speaker that listens to me. <laughs> I just don't like. I I was going. I was like, does it matter? But you know, I mean, let's be honest. I grew up in the black community. Like, I'm a conspiracy theorist, like all these other people. I'm like, <laughs> I can't have my if my fingers listening to me. I can't sleep. So you know, I was like, what can I do? And I spent a lot of time researching looking for Bluetooth speakers, looking for options, thinking about Sonos, but really, really upset about how they bricked the first. Because if, for me also, it's, it's disrespectful to my, what I paid, but also the waste. Mm-hmm. Like I have two big speakers that I'm just like, I guess I put them in a landfill, you know? And so I said, you know what? Actually, we're recycling these good, good speakers from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they sound crisp and delicious. Nice. I'm happy. Good well, I'm... I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your speakers having a nice little home. Um, it's like it's like when you like adopt a puppy or something. You've adopted speakers that are yeah. that have a, a new forever home. So. True. True. <laughs> yep. And I, a friend of mine gave me those speakers because he was moving from LA and he couldn't take them with him. And uh-huh. he's, you know, he's a musician and a, a does mixing. You know, he's an engineer, so they're good speakers. Oh yeah, yeah. He knows he knows the uh, what you know what sounds good. Exactly. So here's the sketch, The Succession of Kim and Pete, part two. Sketch. We're home alone. I'm in the shower. Wait, what? Forget it. It's Courtney. <sighs> Leave me alone. Listen up. My podcast astrologer says an eclipse is coming. We've got to get present and change this timeline. Okay. Why? Duh. You know what I want. I want more power. I want to be the top Kardashian in people's minds. You've been vibing me all Thanksgiving, and now you're trapping me in a shower because no one cares about Kravis anymore? Yes, and I want us to manifest a new timeline. I saw it on TikTok. You manifest what you want in the shower, and poof, it works. Be that as it may, you can't stop my steamy connection with Pete Davidson. It's literally fire. Ew. Gross. Where where is he anyway? (laughs) He's literally knee deep in a plate of buffalo wild wings. The sauce alone will take him hours to get off. Just do this with me. I literally, like, have no time. Well, it's in your schedule. Chris's assistant told Chloe's assistant, who told Stacy, your other assistant, about the shower meeting. Stacy's not my assistant. She's my nanny. Well, your nanny needs a better assistant. Leave me alone. No, Kim. I want to set a new intention that changes this timeline so that my hot relationship will be 
on track. Babe, have you seen my CBD? It's all so hard. Not now, Travis. Anyway, I'm the one in the hot and heavy romance. Not you, Kim. Me. Why can't we both have hot relationships? <laughs> Are you, uh, all relationships mattering me, sis? I thought you were more woke than that. I just mean our relationships don't need to be a competition. Yes, they do. So what's it gonna be? What if you dumped Travis and started a new relationship? Hmm, like it? And then there could be this whole media blitz about it while I'm like hooking up with someone else. Sure, but who's also getting a lot of attention in the press these days? Hmm, I keep hearing about um, Omarion, uh, Omicron. I don't know, maybe Chris could set me you up. You mean Omicron? Yeah, bingo. Uh, it's, it's not. This is perfect. I'll have Omicron and I'll be in the hot relationship. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say Dr. Oz because he's running for senator. But if you think you and Omicron can make a good couple. I do, definitely. Um, I guess that makes sense. That's fine. Sure, I'm fine with setting that intention. That's more like it. I'll just change the temperature from hot to cold and then manifest the change that we want in our life. Great! Manifesting for you! No, wait! What? <laughs> I don't want that! Where's my mother? A bitter romance battle threatened to turn into a family civil war for television's most miserable wealthy family? Find out next week. But I may have to burn you in the process. So, and we're back. Awesome. Let's get into my talk with comedian Malika Jules. Hey, Malika. Hey. What so, up, do you like people? Malika the Jules or Malika Jules? Is, is Jules your, your middle name? So, Jules is, so, so Jules is my nickname of my first name. Mm -hmm. So, my name is Julia Malika. But let's uh. be honest, I'm not giving any Julia energy. Like, I'm just not. <laughs> I tried my whole life. And even when I started comedy and I was going out as Julia Malaika, I would cringe. And I was like, this isn't working. But um, Jules is more my family name because like my brother's name is Julian. My mm -hmm. dad's name is Julian. Oh, like, we're the family Jules. Like I'm my prom that. date was named Julian. Oh, my God. It was probably my brother. Was he an asshole? <laughs> ah. uh, well, Englewood, Englewood, New Jersey. But but okay, yeah, but maybe it was California. What, yes. I'm saying, what, what in the portal? <laughs> what in the portal? My brother took you to prom. Oh God. Of course he did. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean he kind of he kind of had a Drake quality. Totally. Um, so yes. But not the money. No, no, <laughs> no. Not the money. I, he yeah. yeah but no, he but no. he was confident. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure he was. Okay, so let me let me read your bio. Oh, yeah. So Malika Jules is a writer 
and stand-up comedian from Inglewood, California. So I'm from Englewood with an E. You're from Inglewood, California. Inglewood up to no good. Um, yeah. In her past life, she was a rapper, but got bored with that and found comedy and was much better. And she found that comedy was much better for her colorful personality and bold ways. She is the host of Convo and Inspo podcast, where she chats with artists about their creative process and journey. Uh, check out her doing stand-up at a comedy club near you. Okay, so this is incredible. Thank you so much for coming uh, to the show. I want to talk to you about your creative process and journey from a poet to a rapper to now a stand-up. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about the moment when you realized that comedy was the better outlet for you? Oh, yeah, because comedy was a complete accident for me. Like, I'm like, how did this even happen? I've been doing comedy not for long, just for about three years now. Mm -hmm. And the way that happened was um, I had just closed out a whole chapter of my life. Like, and that included my my performing rap music, that whole scene, you know, um, I was married. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it was wow. a whole chapter of my life that was attached to hip hop music. And when I started my new life, I had actually remembered that like that I went to college to write television. And so having put that on the back burner for over a decade and now being bored and alone in my house, I was like, oh, let me um pull that old dream back up, you know? So I started to look at different programs and mm -hmm. um, you have to write a spec script, right? And yeah. at that time, normally I was, I used to try to write dramas and mm -hmm. I used to watch a lot of dramas. And subsequently I was also very depressed, right? In this new life to avoid depression, I was only watching comedy, right? Yeah. So when so now here comes the thing where it's like, write your spec script. And I go and I'm looking at shows that I usually watch, which used to be like SVU, whatever the fuck, murder. You know, that was mm -hmm. what I used to watch. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh my God, I haven't been watching that. And I've only been watching comedy. So I had to write. So I wrote a spec script actually for Insecure. Okay, right? yeah, me too. Yeah, and the fun part about writing that was I had never sat down to write comedy before. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, because I was familiar with the show, like I had this experience where I was at my computer like laughing and my personality was coming out. And as somebody who was a poet and everything that I wrote was a lot more serious. Mm -hmm. So for the first time for like my personality and my writing to come together, I was kind of at the computer having this moment. I was like, this act, this feels good, right? Yeah. So then in my logical mind, I'm like, oh, well, this is comedy. Let me go learn how to write a joke. You know, let me just learn because I don't know what this is, but I like it. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I, I love a community college class. Okay. I love it. I love a community college. Yeah. I love a public school. Okay. So I went into West LA college. They have a stand-up class. Now here's the thing. Yes. It said stand-up class. I didn't read that part. I read the part that said, learn how to write a joke. Mm -hmm. So when I go into class, the teacher's there, he's teaching us how to write a joke and I'm loving it. I'm like, this is amazing. Thinking about my script. And then he's like, now you have to get up and say your joke. And I just said to him, I looked at him like with a straight face. I was like, oh, I didn't come for stand-up. I just came to learn how to write a joke. Like, I don't need to do that part. Y'all can go ahead. I'm definitely not a stand-up comedian. Those people are crazy. Like, he, he the class was like, oh, yeah, get up there and do your minute, your joke. Uh -huh. I was like, this is awful. Who are you people? I hate you. So I went up there. <laughs> I went up there and I said, I wrote some things that were just, they were really honest. It was really how I was feeling. I was really embarrassed to share it, but it's what I had. Mm -hmm. And they laughed, like they laughed a lot. And then after- Cause it's not like you were, I'm sorry. Cause it's not like you were uncomfortable performing on a stage. Like you've done that before as yeah. a rapper. Yeah. Um, 
but it, this was like in a, a different sort of uh, way. So it's like unsettling, you know, it's like, I was like, why would I do that? Who yeah. signed up for that? I, I, I love comedy. Like, so trust me, the, the end of the story is stand-up comedy changed my life, but understand I never saw myself as that. And like, it was, it would, what, huh? How, like never saw it, but as a performer, as someone who's really in tune with myself on stage, mm-hmm. the moment I got up and I said those jokes, I was like, fuck, because I knew the feeling. And, and, and for me, as somebody who did run away from rap, was just tired of being in dive bars, dusty lounges and green rooms, well, I'm back in it. So it's like, okay, you know what I mean? It was just, but, but it was a sobering moment where I was like, I found myself and I didn't expect to find myself in that place. And I've just been doing it ever since. And mm-hmm. I love it. And it gave me a proper form of expression. That's great. So what's the difference between the dive bars of the rap world versus the dive bars of the uh, stand-up comedy world? Woo, that's a great question. Um, so the dive bars of the comedy world, it's uh-huh. interesting, like, wow. So the dive bars of the comedy world are just less fun because okay. like one of the things that I had to get used to in the open mic culture and just comedy culture versus hip hop culture you know, if you go to a, a rap show, open mic, for the most part, like everybody talks to each other, you know, it's pretty cool vibes. Like mm-hmm. I had to get used to the fact that when comics do open mics, like they don't talk to people, they don't look at people like they're, they're up there, they go up there, they leave. And for me, I was like, whoa, but because they're serious, they're serious, but I liked it because, because the people that I was around in the rap, the rap world, they weren't serious at all. They were actually wasting your time and energy. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. offering you drugs. Oh my God. Which also happens in comedian spaces too, but still, you know, yeah. um, it was just one of those things where it was jarring to me at first, but once I settled in, I liked it a lot better. Cause were you like, Oh, this person's rude. Like he's not, he's not saying hi. Well, it wasn't that it was just like, Oh, the energy here is like, <clears throat> nobody's here to make friends. Wow. It's like um, the, there's a moment in uh, RuPaul's Drag Race who's like, this isn't best friends race. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, yes. <laughs> wow. OK, so how do you how do you get involved? Like, how do you get stage time at an open mic in comedy versus hip hop? Oh, wow. So in comedy, you know, what I love is that they have like the slotted rows. Like you can just sign up online, pay your five bucks, get your five minutes mm-hmm. to go. For for music, you know, you would definitely, you definitely aren't paying to get up there. You you might have three minutes instead of five, um, and it's just about knowing the person that's putting on the open mic. There's no real formal process. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a come as you are thing. Yeah, um, which can be hilarious, <laughs> you know, or really entertaining. Um, but I think the difference is like if you sign up for one of those open mics for music. People are going to clap for you. They're going to give you support. Even if you suck, they're going to be like, you did great. You got up there. Whereas the comedy over mics, even if you're good, if you go, you know, there's certain levels to it. So when I'm just working out my jokes, like trying to get comfortable saying the joke out of my mouth and seeing how it falls, Mm -hmm. then I do the slotted mics where it's just like 10 comedians in a room scowling at you in a bright light. (laughs) That's like, which is like, it's so funny because I'm like, it's so comforting to know no one here cares, you know, because it's like, they're they're going to be the worst audience ever for you so that you can deal get get used to people staring at you and not laughing yeah Um, you know but but at the same time if you only do those mics 
you'll think you're not funny because they live, they don't laugh at you because they don't care. They're there to get their time. So I found that once I get comfortable with those slotted mics, then I'll go and I'll do the mics at the clubs and I'll get mm -hmm. um, a real audience, you know, and then maybe I'll get a booking or two from there. And then once I hit the audience in the actual club, then you actually get the real results. You never get the real results until you're with the people. Yeah, because that's so. when you know, like, okay, they legit laughed. Right. Have you ever gotten a legit laugh in those, um, those like early sets where you're just in front of other comedians? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because, and I think it's just like my personality, you know, there's something that happens with me when I'm in front of people that's just performative. Mm -hmm. So it's very natural for me to kind of do something silly or, you know, read the room and make something funny about it. And mm -hmm. so people respond to that. You know, in my day job, I'm a substitute teacher, which for me is just back-to-back stand-up comedy sets. Yes. <laughs> and back-to-back stand-up comedy sets with people that they don't care about you, they don't like you, they don't want nothing you have to offer. <laughs> so like for me, that's actually, my day job keeps me really sharp for the stage because every hour I open up the door to 30 people who don't like me, don't know me, don't care and want time to pass. And I have to, they have to do what I tell them to do. Yes, you, you got to put on a show. Got to put on a show. And I and wish... I, I wish teachers, I'm actually thinking about making a course for teachers about performance because teaching is performative, period. Yeah, it is. Because you, you have to be engaging. You have to keep yeah. their attention, especially right. now with uh, with Zoom. I was really amazed. Um, my son just did this like um, science, um, like extracurricular thing. Mm -hmm. And that woman, um, she really kept their attention, like their eight-year-olds um, listening to her. And yeah, you, you have to find ways to, um, to get people to, um, to not tune you out. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, so what's your worst bombing story? Um, let me think about that. So here's the thing. Bombing. Is that a thing? I love a bomb personally, like, because, okay. I, I, I bombed recently, like, oh, during the, during quarantine, I was mm -hmm. doing, um, there was a, a guy in Anaheim, mm -hmm. shout out to Chan in Anaheim. He built a um, stage in his backyard. Oh, wow. And there was, and this is like right before the election last year. So people were already like on edge. And then and it's like, Anaheim, which is Orange County, very conservative. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, I, I, have, I have personal stories about being chased out of Anaheim by the Ku Klux Klan growing up in L.A., actually. So when I was going there already, I was like, like I going to I'm Disneyland going. or something. No, I was actually training for the marathon with my high school students from L.A. Too. Oh, my God. OK, so this is another story you have to tell us. But OK, go on. It's the, yeah. But but so. um, So so, yeah. So no. So the, it was social distance. So the crowd was way back away from me. I couldn't mm -hmm. see anybody, anything. And I was talking to them and like, I wouldn't get any laugh back, but I didn't care because it felt so good to be up there and talking to people. Cause mm -hmm. I had, I quarantined hard. Like I live alone and I was alone. Like, I was like, I don't want to see anybody. I like this quarantine for like a good four months. Mm -hmm. So when I got up there, I, I didn't have anything prepared. I was literally just happy to talk to them. And so let the air, you know, there's something about bombing. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, it's okay. Like walk into it because yeah. Are we all going to enjoy this awkward silence together? I'm not funny right now. You know, right. there's so much to be learned from the bomb. And there's for me at that moment, I just remember going home and being like, that felt so amazing because wow. I, was, I was up there. Well, wow, that felt so good. Nobody laughed at me. <laughs> well, because my whole life is embarrassing myself. My whole life is people laughing at me. So that's why to, to come into comedy now I'm like, oh, 
people don't like you all the time. That happened to me before I did comedy. Yeah. So it's like, it's freeing. It's quite freeing because I'm, I'm, I've recently passed the age where there's just zero fucks given. Yes. I, for me, it's like, sometimes I'm doing comedy for the crowd. Sometimes I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm getting something off my chest. Sometimes I just want to connect with people, you know? And so for me, as somebody who is pretty good at reading the room and stuff, like, even if I bomb, I'm making a song about bombing. We freestyle about this bomb. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, where are we going? Can, does the military need more bombs? Cause I got some to sell them. You know, Woo! I just, I just, I love it too much. Like, and it's inevitable. You know, it's like, I think about when I first started rapping and mm-hmm. I didn't understand the, the dynamics of that type of performance. And, and one of my first rap performances, like I ran out of breath on stage. Like I was mm-hmm. winded because I had recorded this song, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize performance, nerves, running around was going to make it extra hard. Wow. I ran out of breath and I lost my voice. This is like one of my first rap shows. So like, that was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> so you know, so it's like, you've been there, been I've there, been done there. that. And it's like, you survive and people actually don't even care. Like the, like, but while you're bombing, they're like, she sucks. When they go home, they do not care that you bomb. They might talk about it for five minutes if they found it funny. Yeah. But it's like, nobody cares. Like it's one of those things in the moment it sucks, but it passes away so fast. Yeah. Um, be- best rap show. I mean, I, as a kid, I, I, I remember seeing Buster Rhymes and thinking mm-hmm. he was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then I remember um, seeing Method Man. Oh my God. Yes. And, and thinking that that was, that was incredible. Um, Cause I, I love Wu-Tang, but like in uh, with Method Man, he was very late and had a ton of people on stage oh. and just said a few lines and then left. Is it because of the, like the losing your breath? Like, um, I mean, it could have been any reason, but like- Why did Method Man do that? Yeah, maybe why did Method Man do that? Or why why is it that like, um, like the entourage thing? Like there was always like an entourage. I don't know where I'm going with this. I Look, the question about the entourage should be posted on social media <laughs> because I'd love to know the answers. I'll never, I'm like, oh, it's just like, they're insecure. So they need friends up there. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that anymore. Cause like- It got too you know, expensive. Yeah, it's, it's changed a lot now. Um, you know, little Nas X, like he's, like he's, he's, uh, he's on his own. He comes up on stage if he's awarded something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much like, about him, but like Wu Tang, for instance, it was all about the brotherhood, the friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, they did everything together. I remember being really little, and like MC Hammer would like come on stage with like fifty people. So yeah. I, I don't know. How do you feel about um, as a rapper? Like, are you um, in still in in? Uh, do you still feel a connection to to hip hop to rap? Do you still listen? Um, there's a lot of like Lil Nas X, for instance, or like even like Drake, like they sing more than right. they're than they're rapping. Like, how do you feel about you know how how the music is changing? I mean, I could rap all these guys under the table. Leo yes, number one, because you know that's and that's easy. Um, do I listen to rap anymore? Not really. Like I listen to it like for fun, but I'm pretty much like good on the rap that I have. <laughs> Um, and if somebody's really good, I like it, but I'm a really picky rap listener, like mm-hmm. lyric style and beats, you know what I mean? So it's like, it takes a lot for me, like, 
and 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 it should be clear too to people listening who hopefully you never hear my music because it is awful you know but I was not um like a rapper like the people know like I was not a pop rapper mm-hmm. I was a very specific type of rapper I worked with jazz musicians I worked with abstract artists I was about abstract art and rap so mm-hmm. even when I was in rap I wasn't participating in stereotypical rap stuff because I was actually more so presenting rap as black folk culture oh wow and, and more so- interested in the storytelling and ancestral rhythmic aspect of it so I think it's really important to say that oh cool I, I'm so I'm thinking like the last poets I mean totally I could totally rock a track with them mm-hmm. and I totally would hang out at their houses in you know in Harlem back in my 20s when they had that kind of stuff so yeah yeah yeah, that's amazing. So um, more so looking at black literary performative tradition, which is rap. It's just that when you talk when you talk rap the last 20 years, which has been so corporatized, we do actually have to make a definitive mark where it's just purely pop capitalist rap. You know, that's not anything that I necessarily enjoy participating in and did not participate in that during the time that I was rapping. Yeah. So like, like, there's no Malika raps about her pussy. You know, like I didn't, I wasn't into that. <laughs> no. And I, I also like was very intent about keeping my clothes on. You know, I just did all the things to make sure that I failed as a rapper. And it worked. <laughs> it was amazing. It's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I was like, nope, nope, nope. They were like, okay, nope, nope, nope. But I still had a blast. I still, you know, traveled the world. I still had fun with friends. It's all good. I did what I wanted and I left with integrity and no shame. Yeah. Um, and then also somebody that comes to mind, um, but like he, um, le- he very much intellectual, but like Talib Kweli, like that's somebody that, um, that like, I, I think of who, who, uh, sort of was like, had, had some pop sensibilities, but like also intellectual, uh, but yeah, you don't, you don't have that anymore. Yeah. It is a lot. About- I, would, I would give that to most deaf before Talib. Just oh, wow. For my Ooh. own. Just, no, just for my own. Uh-huh. For my, you know, like, that's all. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, I used to see most stuff all the time, like in the city. Uh, oh. I um, Now he's he has a different name. Yes. But um, yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. So let's move on. Let's go back to comedy. Yay. The fun stuff. You see how tense it gets with rap? That's why I don't deal with rap because it's, it, because rap is fucked up. Like, and the people in rap are fucked up. And it's not to say people in county are fucked up, but rap is where it is because people let it there. How do we, so and we can't is, is it, it almost like a lost child? Like a lost child, the- baby. She gone. She gone. If you want any good shit, just dig in the crates, kids. And no one's going to be honest with you and tell you that, but I will. Dig, dig in the crates for the old stuff or dig in the, the crates, crates for, for substance, anything yeah. else. You have to dig for it. In the nineties, we all knew all of us that liked rap in the nineties. This was a whole conversation. We all knew this is where it was heading. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, you know, if you look like a, like, if you look like a Sambo character as a rapper in 2021, that was literally the goal because in, in 1991, you know, they were, they, we saw this coming. So for those of us that were there to kind of watch it, like for me, um, unfortunately, as much as I love hip hop culture, like hip hop culture is absolutely disgusting, misogynistic. Yeah. And so I can't support, I don't really, I, I'm very finicky about when I support it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I am pretty open. Like if somebody were to ask me if I did or didn't support something, I pretty much let them know because I think the silence of women's voices in rap is one of the things that brought it to where it is as well. 
Wow. I mean, yeah. I mean, the people that you find now that are, that are making, um, making hit records. I mean, there's Doja Cat, there's, um, Sweetie, there's, um, Cardi B, Nikki, Nikki Minaj is, uh, very problematic, but she is talented. She's very talented. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're not MC light. They're not, um, even like Queen Latifah. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like with, when it comes to music, mm-hmm. because of the power of music, whenever we say somebody's problematic and talented, mm. you know, it's like, that's a problem. Cause that's also R. Kelly. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and Dave Chappelle. I mean, I wouldn't put R. Kelly and Dave Chappelle in the same place. Well, no. Okay. Like, and Dave Chappelle is not problematic to me. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? But if so, like R. Kelly's problematic to me. Yes. Well, he's a, yeah, he's a monster. Like somebody saying words with their mouth, you know, who's a comedian who gets paid to say those things specifically, mm-hmm. not problematic. Um, somebody who is co-signing molestation, supporting molestation, being a molester, that's problematic. Right. And when we let, and my, my thing, and like what a lot of my work in the future and now that I'm working on it surrounds um, is about the way that people get away with all kind of crazy stuff because of their talent. I've seen it in the world that I've, I've always been an artist, you know, since I was a teenager. So I've always seen bad people get away because they're good at something and I don't like it. Yeah, no, I always, um, that's funny that you say that because I always talk about how I, I find like narcissists funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up, I grew up with uh, a lot of narcissists, uh, yeah. and I, I always, yeah, I, 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 and I find myself drawn to people who can, can get, can get away with shit, can yeah. get away with stuff. Um, and maybe that's something that we, we are all, um, drawn to and, and we're attracted to, and that's something that we should all address and think about, mm-hmm. uh, because it's not healthy. Um, you know, i.e. like Trump or, you know, whoever, whoever else that we, you know, currently idolize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are things that you riff off of, like you, yeah. you in your comedy. I mean, yeah, in my comedy, I kind of talk, of, I'm more observational, you know, I, I mean, I'm writing a bit about rap, you know, I'm writing a bit about those things. But, you know, I, when I walked away from it, I didn't plan on picking it back up. Unfortunately, rap followed me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's still following me, which is fine. I think that what I did with the type of music I was making, it's really fun to be able to still perform those songs some certain places with mm-hmm. people that mean a lot to me, um, you know, but I, I lost, I forgot your question. I'm sorry. Uh, but just, I, it's, it's basically like, how do you come up with material and then how do you oh. practice it? You know, I come up with material all day. So here's the thing. Like I've always been a writer. So I like, I've, I'm, I'm prone to writing everything down that I think mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like my habit. So I write new material every day. You I have like a little notebook in your pocket or I have about 10 notebooks in several mm-hmm. different places. I got two in the car, one in my purse, one from a small purse, one from a big purse, got one by my bed, got one <laughs> in my bed, got one on my, it's like everywhere. If you, it's, you know, no lines or blank, blank everything. Pages. Okay. If I could show you, look, this is, it's like, if I, I'm at my desk right now, and it's like there's all kind of things there's, there's uh, index this. cards there's this there's just like this. yeah copy paper yep 
you know, it's like, it's like whatever I can get my hands on, Do you, put I, you know, because, because I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if you call it a busybody or somebody who just, ah! I mean, that's kind of like how my brain works. Yeah. And so, um, when I started comedy in that class, mm-hmm. what I did with that first joke was I had a thought. I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. I was like, I'm gonna just take these into these community college folks. It don't matter. But it made them laugh. So that gave my first rule was like, well, if it makes me laugh, maybe it's funny. Maybe. So it's like, if I, if I know it's a joke, if it makes me laugh, I write it down. Now, if I write it down and say it again, maybe not, but you know, um, I, my personality is it leans toward comedy. So even when I was writing poetry, it's funny. I went back through one of my old poetry books Uh and in between my poems, I was writing jokes. I just didn't know what to do with the jokes and I didn't call them jokes. I'd be like, oh, that's a funny thought. Oh, that's a funny thought. Sometimes I would write a funny poem or a funny songs or put a, put a, put a line of it in my songs. Mm-hmm. But when I looked back, it was like, I was clearly writing jokes, but I just had no clue. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, now you're in comedy, but do you think that you might transition in, into something else totally different? Or do you think that like, I'm, I'm where I need to be? This is it. Yeah, no, comedy clicked in for me. It clicked in for me because I was performing and writing poetry, raps, and all those things. I was able to find a talent and and do my thing, but I never really fit into those places. It's like when I was a rapper, I was the weird rapper. Mm-hmm. When I was a poet, I wasn't a spoken word poet. I was a page poet and a performer, mm-hmm. right? When I started comedy, and I was like, just with the comics. And I was like, when I, when I walked in the room with the comics, I felt like they were my people. I was like, oh, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. So comedy was actually me finding my right place mm-hmm. after a long search of finding the best way for me to tell my stories. Yeah, because it seems like uh, you, you also are able to pull from all of your experiences yeah. um, into, you know, when you're on stage, like your, your, your rap, your yeah. um, poetry, yeah. um, I don't know, running, like, yeah. you know, yeah. all of yeah. all of the th- all of the things that you've experienced in your life. Yes. It just it comes together in that in the one moment when you're on stage. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. Is there anyone putting out work right now that that's exciting you, inspiring you? Oh my gosh. Like in terms of comedy and television Any, and all, anything. anything, woo. let me think about that. That's always like a really hard question because I just feel like we consume so much media now. Yeah. I'm like, what did I just watch? What- well, you're really good friends with uh, Georgia Muldrow. Yeah, she does a lot of really great things in music. Oh yeah, and- that's a, I'm so happy you brought that up. Yeah, that's great because that is a huge source of my inspiration. And Georgia and I have been collaborators for over. We've been collaborating since we were teenagers on making stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, we actually um, we just shot a show this summer that we're oh. going to be that I'm going to I'm editing right now like a crazy woman. Uh-huh. Um, this is a show where I am in fact blending my comedy and my um, love for music and beats. It's a mm-hmm. short web series. Um, as soon as I, as soon as I like have a couple episodes, I'll let you know. I'm gonna launch it. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm editing it. It's very. If I were to describe the show, it's like trippy black girl blues clues. Okay, so a lot of kitsch. I love kitsch. I love bright. I love joy. I love happy. So like that's sort of the the goal. And then also just a little bit of music education. Uh And then there's a character that I have named Treats. 
and she has a treat shop and she has a treat for you. And if you take a treat, then maybe y'all take a trip and hear some cool sounds. Um, so that's been really fun. So yeah, that's what I've been working on. And actually it's really awesome. Um, you know, in quarantine, um, George and I reconnected, she was living out of state for a really long time. Mm-hmm. We reconnected and we just, in, in, in our true nature, we just started collaborating again. We just started, you know, she did. So for my podcast, she did all the music for my podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Which was hilarious because it's like, I recorded my, I was like, well, you give me the beat. I got to do the jingle. So I recorded the jingle for my podcast. Um, you know, and now she and I just performed at the Blue Note in NYC. Um, we did four shows together. It was, yeah. her, it was her show, but we did an album together many years ago. That's kind of like a cult classic. It's mm-hmm. I, I disappeared it from the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be putting it back up because people keep asking me about it. And I, it, this the, my rap life, I can't run from it like it's attached to too many people. So I've made peace with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Georgia and I did perform um, one of our songs that we did. And the fun part of it is that because we performed it four times, you know, we performed it differently every time, mm-hmm. you know, and it was an improvised set. Um, and it for me, it, I love it because I thought I didn't, I thought I had to quit rap. I mean, I wanted to, but I also thought I had to. Um, I didn't realize when I was freestyling all those years that I was improvising. So mm-hmm. to go back up on stage with my friend after like also, broadening my my skills as an improviser by studying at ECB, being able to take that all back onto the stage at the Blue Note with an amazing band and a song that we love from years ago was really powerful. And it showed me what happens when there's a culmination of creativity within yourself mm-hmm. and how all it can do is catapult you further. So it's like, I was performing a rap song, but because in between rap song performances, I had trained improv it also made me a better improving rap performer. So that was cool to see. Wow, that's beautiful. I'm I'm I was getting uh I was getting vibes of like um like in Lovecraft Country, the episode where um the aunt uh she like travels in time like she's with josephine baker and then she's like in the future and then she Mm -hmm. realizes that she's every woman and that she she is everything that that she wants to be yeah um so that that's really beautiful yeah it felt that way it was yeah so i i I know i have to let you go because you have um i i wanted to play a quick game but if you don't have time it's okay oh no we have time you have some time? Okay. So quick game. 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 Um, this is uh, a tweet from a current monster or a rap lyric. So I'm going to say a line. You have to guess if this is a rap lyric or a tweet from a current monster that's uh, trending on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So you ready? Yes. Okay. So first off, fuck your bitch and the click you claim. I mean, that's Tupac. Yes. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> so hit him up, you know, five minutes of Tupac excoriating Biggie, Puff, uh, Little Kim and everyone in their orbit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So number two. They said it's a bold new transition. I say they're bandwagoning. 
I have no idea who said that. Who said that? <laughs> so former Superman actor. So that's a this is a current monster. Former Superman actor Dean Kane. Um, he shit on the um, DC Comics decision to have current Superman come out as bisexual. Uh, he instead calls for DC Comics to fight real injustice like human trafficking and gay rights in I- Iran. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next one. Ah, I'm a motherfucking monster. That's got to be a Nicki Minaj rap because there was no skill attached to it. I just said that to make you laugh. <laughs> that was Nicki. Um, and I don't know if their skills is because of the way I'm reading it or because of Nicki herself. I just felt like I was like, why not? Why not throw her with this? You know what I'm saying? Like, why not? Ca- like, cap on Nicki. It's just like, well, it's just it's funny. Like, that's the quote. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it's not. It's not like pull any Queen Latifah quote will be stronger. Is you know what I'm saying? Is all I'm saying. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's it's like, wow, she that's okay. Cool. <laughs> I'm a monster. Right. Pussy, pussy, pussy. That's my next record. I mean, you nice. know. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking like the little Kim, like the first line from Little Kim. Um which one? Um I bumble with the B, huh? That one well, I used to be scared of the dick. Now right. I throw lips to the shit. Handle yeah. it like a real. I mean, that I was mean, great. Even, even that line was more powerful than whatever Nikki line you gave me. Yes. It gave me imagery. It gave me, I was in the backseat of the car with her. Yes. I I, my mouth was open too. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we know it. We know it. It's cool. Taking in I the know. front. Yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, you know, and it's like, it's being, to be in eighth grade and rapping little Kim raps, I can't ever say shit. No. It was classic. It was. It was no, it was right. and Biggie wrote amazing raps for her. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, because then you saw the difference like after he died. Just like you saw the difference when Safari left. Yes. You can tell when rappers lose their writers. Wow. Well, I can tell when rappers lose their writers. Wow. But you can't tell when comedians lose their writers. That's true. That's true. Because it's a uh, whole different intention functioning behind the picking in the first place yes that's deep i'm not gonna get that deep on y'all yeah it's amazing because there really is a connection between the two like you know you think like dolomite Mm -hmm. um like uh um you know there there is um there is a connection and like toasting you know there is a connection between rap and comedy like it is intrinsically connected within my body it's almost the same thing, but it's also not the same thing. Like, it's like, I think like one of my favorite parts about performing rap was doing, I would be doing comedy in between songs. I didn't realize that Yeah. But when I would talk to the crowd and stuff, it's like, they're, they, they're, they're, they're like fraternal twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Similar they are with different faces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even, I mean, I don't know. You listen to like Snoop Dogg and like there were there were like comedy bits in, in between. Ex- oh, yeah. I, I mean, oh, yeah. Especially 90s rap. I mean, they literally had skits in between every song. Like rap albums were low key also doubling as comedy albums at some point in the 90s. Like, you know, I forget who it was. It Big Daddy Kane, somebody who would have a lot of um or Bismarck Robert Harris, Bismarck, you know, he'd have a lot of like Robert Harris you know, in between his songs and stuff. So yeah, they've always been similar. And actually, interesting thing that happened to me when I was in New York mm-hmm. a few weeks ago in the village, which I love, mm-hmm. where I used to perform all the time as a poet and a rapper. Now with the shutdown, it's interesting. We were at the Blue Note, the comedy sellers across the street. I'm looking at how 
all the show times are at the same time, right? Yeah. 7.30, 10.30, right? At the end of the night, it was amazing because all the people had gone home and the only people in the streets were comedians and musicians. Wow. It was amazing. My music friends were over there having a conversation in between, like we were at Mamoon's Falafel. and like, I love it, yeah. yeah comedy, I forget it was a comedy, a little joint you go downstairs is next to a little. Yeah. Um, and these comics are coming Comedy out. seller. Comedy seller is there. Uh-huh. Comics are coming out. My comedi- my music friends are like, oh, look, there's comedians coming out, right? Then they start to talk about all the comedians they like and saying those comedians jokes in their conversation. I'm watching the comedians walk by. You could tell someone from bomb, somebody had a good night, their, head, their heads are down, they're going through their jokes and they're listening, hearing these musicians talk about jokes that they like, but the way my friends are saying the jokes, like they sound so stupid. Uh, <laughs> I was like, these comedians must hate, these comedians must hate this right now. However, there was something really beautiful about just those two types of artists being on the street. Yeah. It was just really, it was like, because they're kind of the same. Right. Deep. Yes. It's and deep. I, and you could see it in their demeanor, like in the way they, I was like, and you would never see that because there'd be people in between drunk girls, college girls. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. It was everybody who had been let out of their gig after mm-hmm. they got paid. And it was, it was beautiful. And it made me love the village even more. And I feel like the connection, um, and I have two more questions, but the connection sure. is, uh, is confidence. Yes. You have to, you have to, you mm-hmm. have to. You have to. Okay, so my 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 next question from day one, he's been a used car salesman. I can hear it. Oh my god, I can hear it. <gasps> no, I can't think of it. It's not in my brain. So is it is a rap lyric or uh, a monster? Wow, from day that's definitely a rap lyric. Wow. It's it's um it's about a monster. So it's uh, I wanted it to be a, I really wanted to be a rap lyric though. <clears throat> so a former NFL star, Keyshawn Johnson, said mm-hmm. this about the LA Raiders coach and current monster John Gruden. John Gruden um said some really fucked up things about um some man and like said like his lips were as big as Michelin tires, just like just um gross stuff. Yeah. Uh Keyshawn called him a fraud long before his racist homophobic emails surfaced. So good riddance. That guy retired um he resigned from LA Raiders. Yeah. Anyway, my last question is no hard drugs and no superhero movies. Is which, that, one I, which one? Is that a rap lyric or Oh, I was like, oh, for me, um, no hard drugs, no superhero movie. I, honey, what, what in the, no hard drugs, no superhero movies. I'm going to give that a rap lyric. It's well, I wouldn't say it's a monster, but no, he's not okay, really okay. a monster. I have to, I I have love to interrupt him. you. I have to interrupt you. Yes. See these rap lyrics, these, I'm wanting them to be rap lyrics, but I'm feeling that they're not, and they're not, and it's because they're not rhyming. They're not giving lyrics. So that's why I'd be like, it could be a rap lyric because these fools don't be rhyming no more. I'm just happy that they're not. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I also, well, you know, I was were. trying to be challenging. I was trying and you to learn. Like, You're doing this. Yes. <laughs> so it's You're Timothy doing. Chalamet. He revealed the secrets to his success. I don't um, even know who these he's, he has are. the Wonka movie coming up. What's that? I said, I don't even know who these people are. Oh, Timothy kidding. Chalamet. No, he's like, <laughs> He's a, he's a cutie. He's, uh, he's on the scene. 
He's an actor. I'm not gonna act like I don't know he's hot. I tried to play it off, but whatever, whatever, it's fine. Y'all know who you are, Timothy Chalamet. Yes. I don't know if he's hot because he's he just seems so like little boyish to me, but he's definitely cute. I mean, I don't his know. name is not Chalamet. Yeah, Chalamet. If my last name was Chalamet, I wouldn't pay for shit. <laughs> no, just like the doors, all the doors would open for all exactly. of us if your <laughs> last name Chalamet, of course. So how- a rap lyric. Yes. So, okay, so I'm going to let you go. Um, how can people, people find you? You can find me on IG, Malaika Jules. That's M-A-L-A-I-K-A Jules, like J-U-L-E-S. Mm-hmm. And you can also check me out on my website, MalaikaTheWriter.com. I've got a bunch of amazing stuff that's going to be rolling out. I'm working on a documentary about my old rap group, African Space Program. And I got a show coming up with my friend, with all my brilliant musician friends coming to be guest stars on it. So oh, awesome. it's exciting stuff. And also uh, rebooting my Convo and Info podcast uh, starting next no, oh, in November, I'll have new episodes. So lots of fun developments happening. I'm just starting, you know, I'm three years into my comedy journey. If you if you if you follow me on IG right now, son, mm-hmm. you're gonna be like, yo, I remember when Shorty only had 300 followers. That's now. Yeah, <laughs> get get in early. Get it early. You know what I'm saying? The scoop. Like, I don't know who that is. Yes. Just <laughs> just learn, get into it. Get into um, it. and uh yeah, she's amazing. Thank you so much, Malaika. Thank you so much for your time, Colette. Thank you for your rap lyrics and, and your quotes. I had so much fun. Pop culture is always so fun to discuss. So yes, yeah, my pleasure. And, yeah, and I, I hope to see you soon at an improv jam or, or something. We, we yeah. need to hang. We're in the neighborhood. Yes, yes. Um, yep, South LA girls. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.